In the early 13th century, the Grand Principality of Moscow, or Moscovy, was a burgeoning power centered around the city of Moscow. However, even as Moscovy expanded and acquired both land and power, they remained a vassal state to the Mongol Golden Horde. But in 1462 began the reign of Ivan the Great, who in his over 40-year reign retook control of Moscovy, consolidated rule, and declared himself the first czar of the rapidly growing state. But it would be his grandson, Ivan the Terrible, who would first call himself the Tsar and Grand Duke of all Rus, which would formally give his Tsardom the name Russia. From this moment until the modern day, Russia went from a Tsardom to an empire, an empire to a republic, a republic to a socialist republic, then a socialist republic within the Soviet Union, and now, today, the independent Russian Federation based on the 1993 Constitution. But as Russia gained superpower status after the conclusion of World War II, they still were not an equal on the world sporting stage. In the 20th century, Russia hosted only one Olympics, trailing Western darlings like the U.S., who hosted seven, France, who hosted five, and even Canada, who hosted two. This would change in the 2000s, though, as their new leader, Vladimir Putin, made increasing Russia's presence on the world sporting stage a priority. His first dividends came in July 2007 when the IOC awarded Russia the 2014 Winter Games in Sochi. And three years later, he'd get his crown jewel when FIFA passed over England, Belgium the Netherlands, and Spain and Portugal to award the 2018 World Cup to Russia. This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, Russia. State's no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan, how's it going? I have a quick question about that intro. Do you think that his nickname was Ivan the Terrible, like amongst his contemporaries? I uh, I read so much about it, but I, I don't know. But what I did read is that the name the Terrible, like when some people think of the terrible, I think we think of it as the right way, but some people think of it like Ivan was terrible, like he was a bad leader. Right. But it's more like the intimidating. Exactly. Right? And yeah. in fact, apparently the Russian word for terrible, like even in the US, we think of terrible having like a negative connotation. But the Russian word that it's based on is not really, it's, it not necessarily has a negative connotation. It's just like a person who rules based on fear which apparently in the Russian language is like, that's not a negative word. It's just like a descriptor of a style of rule. Right. So if, if you were in Russia and you're like, oh, that teacher was terrible, <laughs> it, it wouldn't mean they were bad. It was like, oh, they like ruled the classroom with an iron yeah, fist. They were a disciplinarian. Yeah. yeah. Much like yeah. your wife. That's, that's what they call her. Liz the but Terrible. I, I call her terrible all the time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I hope to God she's not listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's, don't worry. Don't worry. Although apparently Megan is a new listener now. So this is, I let her do the intro on the, uh, the main feed and now she's hooked, Joe. She loves listening to her own voice. That's fine. She has a better podcast voice than either of us. That's for sure. Our last podcast ran to one hour and 50 minutes. Not this, this time, is, Joe. This is surgical. In and out. Surgical. But I do have to say, Joe, before we get started, breaking news. Tonight was the Golden Globes. Two celebrities we brought up have won Golden Globes. I mean, this Karsten, is amazing. Karsten is a tastemaker. He is. Absolutely. Nicole Kidman won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in uh, for Big Little Lies. And her fake husband in the show, Alexander Skarsgård, won the Best Actor Golden Globe. I mean, we, they were our silver celebrity for Australia and our gold celebrity for Sweden. I mean, I think we should just announce now that we are buying Karsten... As, as the winner for picking such good celebrities, we are buying him his own copy of Big Little Lies. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the laser disc, disc edition. Oh, so you'll have to go find find one of those to play it on. But but yeah. it'll be great, Joe. The amount of searching you have to do to find it on laser disc, like you're the real <laughs> you're the one who's paying the punishment there. But anyways, again, surgical. So Joe. For the first time in probably, well, the first time in the Joe Picks a World Cup series, and perhaps the first time in a long time, we're both drinking the drink. This, and, and first, before we get into it, I had one feedback from Bez. You know, the Costa Rica episode was uh, not my finest hour in the alcohol department, but it, everybody loved it, or at least everybody submitted feedback. You know, I don't know what the silent majority is thinking, but Bez said, quote, Love the Costa Rica episode. The more Dan drinks, the funnier things become. I think Dan should have to drink the chosen beverage every episode. Well, Bez, you're in luck. Well, Sean sent in the drink for today, and here's what he had to say. For Russia, vodka again. Turns out the Moscow Mule and White Russian aren't Russian drinks. They both just have vodka. But he has chosen a real Russian drink, the Tolstoy Tang, because he's reading Anna Karenina right now, and he says it's pretty good. So, what is the Tolstoy Tang? It's three parts vodka, one and a half parts lemon juice, and a splash of simple syrup. Are you drinking a Tolstoy Tang, Joe? I am, and I love the literary uh, drink. It's perfect. I'm very happy to be drinking this. I've had a lemon tree that finally, for the first year, bore fruit at its ripe old age of four, and I had all these lemons. I didn't know what to do with them, and now they are in this Tolstoy Tang, and uh, wow. I've just got to say, they're fabulous. Drinking it, it's a Tolstoy great. Tang with... with with good old American lemons. American lemons, but Russian vodka. I'm using a, a nice Russian vodka. It's delicious. It's good stuff. Very nice. Okay. One more piece of business. In our last episode, we had the World Cup Country Challenge show. You took the over on 16 countries. You felt one of our super fans has been to over 16. I took the under. I think in the podcast, I bid 15, but I... The actual correct prices right bid for me would have been $1, so I really fucked that up. But anyways, here's what, here we go. Yeah. The, the fans have sent in. I don't remember how many I went to. I think I've been to, what, seven, and you, you were at eight or something? No, I was at eight. You were at nine. You beat me by one. No, I lost to you by one. You thought, you thought I was going to beat you. I think you were at eight, and I was at seven. But anyways, Whatever. your friend Karsten, he sent in out of pity. He said we weren't going to get enough entries for this, and he wanted to come in. He knew he couldn't win because, of course, he's been to less than you, only seven. So he's the honorable mention using his own scale. The bronze medalist for our super fans to tie you, we had estimated this European would probably have been to many countries, but as it turns out, Yannick, 
He's just been all around Europe for eight countries, tying you, Joe. Eight. Germany, Switzerland, Poland, Belgium, France, England, Spain, and Denmark has not left the safe confines of Europe. The silver medalist, who's been to 13 countries, Joe. We're getting close. Okay. I mean, you know, we joked. We've already covered this country. We've already mentioned the superfan. But this is a country where if you, you know... You're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. If you're already traveling somewhere, you're already going a long way. Why not go everywhere? And that's super fan, Sean. 13 countries. Australia, Japan, Belgium, Denmark, England, France, Germany, Iceland, Poland, Portugal, Spain, Sweden, and Switzerland. Oh, he's really been around Europe. Good he, for him. Yeah, he really racked up the, the countries in Europe. And he comes in with our silver medal at 13. And Joe, the gold medal, do you think it's going to be above 16? You think I you got do. it? Yep. Superfan Emeritus David PhD. He has been to Spain, France, Peru, Denmark, Croatia, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, Belgium, Tunisia, England, and Colombia for a total of 14 countries, Joe. That's you losing, but David is the winner. 14 countries. That's our best so far. I actually talked to my friend. I saw him at the New Year's party who is from South America. He's actually from Peru, and I assumed he must have just covered all the South American countries. But he says, as it turns out, he's only actually just been to Peru. He hasn't even been to any of the other countries in South America. What about the South American Beltway? He did not take it. He's never been on it? No. Apparently, it does just doesn't reach Peru. So, I don't know where Peru is. Got it. When, Got it. When we do that, we'll get to it. But uh, So, th- that's it. 14. And, and basically, he had only been to 14 because he'd been all around Europe. But uh, 16 is... Uh, I don't know if any of our super fans out there... I mean, we're going to need a ultra, ultra worldly super fan to crack because 14 is so many. So, so far, Fan Emeritus David is in the lead. He's in pole position. But... We could still get an email blowing him out of the water. Yeah, absolutely. I it's mean, not over if, yet. If this Russia episode, I would not be shocked if just when it goes on the iTunes store, just because it has Russia in the name, it's yep. going to get sent around the State Department because people are going to be mining 100%. this in case there's any information. Yep. And if one of those diplomats becomes a super fan, Joe, they've been everywhere. Yeah, Robert Mueller is definitely going to listen to this to make sure it's not it's not relevant. Uh well, now, it could be maybe not him because he's busy. But what about Comey? If Comey, oh, do you think he's Comey's, been around? Comey's, Comey's just sitting at home. He's looking for things to listen to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, um, Superfan Karsten brought up an interesting point when we were talking about this. I wonder when people sent in their number, did they send Dan the countries that they had been to? Uh, yes. So I'm wondering if at some point we can compile a list of all the countries that any fan has been to of ours. I want to see if we can get to all 32 between us and our super fans. Well, Joe, this brings me to an interesting point, which is I poured through your list, my list, the four lists that got sent to us. And one interesting thing is on there. Not a single person who sent it in has been to the country we are doing today, Russia. Nary a one. Wow. Wow. Which is, I would say... A bit surprising. I know many people who have been to Russia, but apparently not our super fans. The Venn diagram of people that like our podcast and people who have traveled to Russia, there's no overlap. It's not a Venn diagram. It's just two circles. Apparently. For now. But again, this Russia episode is going to be our our way into this whole community. And Joe, we, we've got to get into it, but we've got two pieces of business first. 
we need to hear some fan feedback about our podcast. So, Joe, I want you, you've got the fan feedback from Reddit. You've, you've, we've done four episodes so far. Tell me what the Reddit community thinks. I'm going to read one mailbag entry, then we're going to shoot right into Russia. What did the Reddit fans of those first four podcasts, what did they think of, of what we we're doing here? So first episode, Sweden, we got a ton of feedback and uh, poster, the panic station says that he thinks that we rated them too low for fan culture, but too high for celebrities. He says six out of 10 for fan culture is low since I don't expect you'll find many countries, if any, who'll be going to Russia in such large numbers as we will. We're also very friendly for drinking that much. But I think in the podcast, we specifically said the Sweden fans are going to travel. We know they're not getting on the South American beltway. They're getting on the European beltway. The, you know, going through that Siberia region. Boom. He thinks it should be 10 out of 10. But agreed with you, Dan, that I was too generous in the celebrity category. Yeah, you definitely were. You definitely were. Okay. So on to the Australia episode. Now. Let me just preface this by saying I have scientifically proven what was the best language to post on Reddit to get people interested in the podcast, but also not seem too like um, too much like I'm spamming. So I found the best language that worked for our first season, but I didn't take into account, Dan, that different words mean different things in different languages. Yeah. I mean, it seems like this is going to be such a challenge because, first of all, half of these countries aren't even going to speak English. Which, well, you're going to have to tr- Google Translate your so post. You would, so you wouldn't think that that would be a problem for Australia. However, my post that I always say is, I'm a heartbroken USA fan with a podcast where I evaluate which team I should root for this World Cup. This episode, we discuss the Socceroos as my potential 2018 team. It's all good, right? That seems innocuous enough. That should totally translate just fine to Australia. However, apparently the term root in Australia is is slang for fucking. Ooh. <laughs> so basically, I told them that I'm looking for a team to fuck in 2018. And in my defense, I think most things are a slang for fucking in Australia. Uh, but, you know, some people on the Australia podcast were a little bit down on your pronunciation of some of the Australian words. However, what I would say is because we're all speaking English, that's less a pronunciation issue and more a regional accent issue. One interesting tidbit that I learned from Legside Larry... The Queen of England and the Queen of Australia are two separate entities who happen to be the same person. Wow. We, we could change the line of secession to a family of koalas if we wanted to. So we're not a colony or anything. Yeah. Why don't they do that? I absolutely think they should. Also, I don't think we thought they were a colony. I thought we were, they were a former colony. Right. But I think we talked about the Queen of England as sort of being automatically also the Queen of Australia when apparently it's the automatic part that isn't true. Yeah, but it doesn't matter if their queen is the queen of England or the queen of the koalas. It makes no difference. It's a completely ceremonial figure that makes no difference. I, no, I mean, I think that's fine. What I'd be curious about is like when the queen dies, does that mean that they're going to search around? Will they, will they, will it, will it automatically be the next monarch of England? Will they pick a different monarch of a, di- will they be like the king of Morocco is now our king? I mean, it'd be fascinating. They can, they can make their own. They've got the celebrity power, Joe. Jesus Christ. They should pick one of the Nicole Kidman. Oh, my God. She won a Golden Globe. She should be the queen of Australia. And also, queen and king don't necessarily have to be married. It could be Nicole Kidman and Hugh Jackman. They could just say, that's our king and queen. It could be like prom king and queen. Wait, it could be Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban. They're both Australian. Come on. 
Lock it up. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. And what are they doing? They should do that tomorrow. They'd be like, in honor of the Golden Globe, we've melted it down and turned it into a crown. They've already made the Queen of England their queen. Let's not let's not ditch someone midstream. Let's just let her ride it out. She's like 105. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Boy, okay. if you say things like that on our England episode, Joe, that's going to be sacrilege. <laughs> We're going to get a lot of angry emails. The Costa Rican fans. Esta vacilion el mal host me cayó un toque mal al principio, pero después no lo note tanto. ¿Quién va a pedir guaro tico a México? All right. Well, mal, I think, means bad, so I don't like where this is going. Well, what it means, roughly, according to Google Translate, is at first, I felt bad for the hosts. But later... I thought that was we were a bad host, (laughs) but he just felt bad for us. Okay. But later, not so much. Oh. Who looks for guaro in Mexico? Well, I don't know. We did. That's what I said. I said, where can we find guaro? I know. <laughs> well, you know, it was there was a thing on Reddit where the um, they were po- posting some weird thing of a, a bull like goring some guy, and all the people were wearing the like logo of the guaro, and I was like, oh my god, that's Costa Rica. I know that guaro, and yeah, it was like they were talking about Costa Rican bullfighting, yeah. which is apparently yeah. very different from like Spanish. Like in Spanish bullfighting. The, they like taunt the bull and then kill it. But in Costa Rican bullfighting, they just have bulls that go in an arena and people can like jump in and sort of like run away from the bulls. But the bulls are fine. Like they don't kill the bulls. It's just sort of it's like you just go in there with the bulls and they'll like run away from them. And that's, that's it. so adorable. Yeah, I know. It's, it's like it's like a, it's like a it's like the petting zoo version of bullfighting. <laughs> but in this one, the guy got like the shit kicked out of him by the bull. But that's like part of the fun. It really is. Like, I think if we went there, like, in Australia, when I was talking about how in the Aussie Rules football, like, we got to go down on the field and, like, kick it. In a Costa Rica, I think we can go to this, like, bull-watching event, because it's not really bull-fighting. And I think we can just go yeah, you down don't there, feel, and we you can don't just feel guilty in. about it either. No, no, yeah. there's no guilt. Like, we're the, we're the amusement. If we're, like, drunk enough, you can just jump in, and then, like, if the bull comes near you, you can, like, jump and hide in these, like, defensive things. But that's it. I, I really, it, it seems super fun. Let me tell you. The Uruguayan fans, Dan, they love us. We're already huge in Uruguay. <laughs> so many of them listened. So many of them gave feedback. Uh, I'll just say the top here. Wait, would you say every single one of the six Jewish people in Uruguay, are they on our? Are they now fans? Are they super fans now? Absolutely. I made sure to post it after Shabbat so they could download and listen. Excellent. Um, poster Zap Brannigan says, we love our meat. We really do. Look into El Mercado del Puerto. You can thank me later. I haven't looked into it yet, but just thought I'd throw that out for our listeners. One interesting tidbit from the page, though. I just learned this, says Parker Penn. Apparently, we won't be able to sing Celeste Soyo during the World Cup. Well, we could if we wanted to. The thing is that in Russian, Celeste is a euphemism for gay. And that Whoa. would be fine, but it's not very smart to, to yell something like that in Russia. And his point was that it wasn't like a homophobic thing that they wouldn't do it. It was that like it is dangerous in Russia to do that. No, absolutely. So thank you to all the fans who listened and gave feedback. It was a lot of fun. All right. And now our lone mailback entry. I mean, this is 
a little bit tough for all those diplomats and people just listening in for the Russian goodness because we really had to do four episodes of feedback in one. And even before I get into this, Joe, I want to taunt these people here for the Russia a little more. From Superfan Sean, our mailbag. Although he's calling himself Super Scholar Sean. And why not? Why not? He just gave himself a huge promotion, but okay. Hi, guys. Really enjoying season two. I'm halfway through this ridiculously long Uruguay episode. (laughs) Could be a feature film. I'm loving Dan's questionable accents, which invariably turn into Southern gentlemen. I'm also happy (laughs) Joe got a VB. I have a few in my fridge as I type this. Disappointing result for the Socceroos, but understandable and not surprising. If we turn Tim Cahill into a robot coach, I'll be the first to let you know. I can also confirm there were genuine newspaper articles about the different flight conditions for the Socceroos and the Hondurans in the World Cup playoff. Australia had it a lot better. Joe, how do you like that? We did. We figured it out. I know. Well, that's what I figured. If they're traveling across the world, they must have better flight accommodations. It's a huge advantage. It's a massive advantage for Australia. I mean, that's the thing. That's why Australia was so happy that the U.S. didn't make it, because we would have like been equal on that. But you go to Honduras or whatever, whatever other country it would have been, they have a massive advantage. But they still have to travel to you. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great. great. It's amazing. What a huge advantage for them. Um, and apparently, according to our new Australia fans, VB is a bit of a bogan beer. Am I saying yeah. that right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> bogan beer. But, but I still enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and he continues... The story behind the Costa Rica National Anthem is my favorite thing so far in the episodes. That should definitely be turned into a comedy movie. I also enjoyed Drunk Dan in that episode. Everybody did. Optometrists <laughs> are a very important type of doctor. I wear glasses. Recently told my optometrist that my eyes are so bad. If I was born a few hundred years ago, I would have ended up on the street because I'd be unable to function. I always uh, wonder about that. And then uh, he says, keep up the good work on the longest podcast around. Super scholar, Sean. So he's digging what we're, what we're selling, Joe. Yeah, Sean, thank you for defending the optometrists of the world, too, against Dan's complete disregard for their importance. Yeah, well, whatever. Now, before we close the mailbag, for anybody who is listening to this episode, if you've been to more than 14 countries in the World Cup, send in your feedback. Right now, David's on top. We'd like to see if you can beat David. And look, Joe, if nobody sends in with more than 16, Joe loses. That's right. Or it continues to lose. And if you have just feedback about anything else this episode, any of our past episodes, send it to worldcup at joepickspod.com. And now, Joe, let's open the book on Russia with a little segment I like to call Homeland Handbook. I'm skipping all the background information about Russia because we got so much of it in the intro. intro, But I'll just get to the nitty gritty here. The name of the people it's a Russian. A group of Russians who are all Russians. The national language is Russian. But a small segment of the population speaks Tatar and Chechen. The religion. Russian Orthodox, 15 to 20% of the population. Muslim, 10 to 15%. And other Christianity, 2%. Note, however, that Russia has large populations of non-practicing believers and non-believers a legacy of seven decades of Soviet rule. Russia officially recognizes Orthodox Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and Buddhism as traditional religions. And the capital city, of course, is Moscow. 
Now, Joe, with the background information you heard in the intro and the Homeland Handbook, let's play everybody's favorite game. Joe guesses stuff based on this country. Joe, what? Can we change the name of this to just Joe gets things wrong about this country? Joe, I feel like this is a real opportunity for you. Joe, what is the chief export of Russia? Okay. I think I, I think I know this, Dan. It's those little Russian nesting dolls. And I'll tell you why. Because when they export one, it counts as actually like seven different exports because there's seven dolls in one. It's true. And it actually hits, it counts on the GDP. Every time you open it, it's just like a different Correct. hit on Correct. the GDP. It's additive. Someone, someone gets a royalty check every time. You, no. Uh, no, no, I think, no, I think the real answer, I think, is, is that sweet, sweet Russian oil. Sweet, sweet Russian oil, Joe. Let's check the... You did it, Joe. You've got your first yes. exploit. Yes, their number one export, Joe, is that sweet, delicious crude oil. And their second biggest export is that somewhat less sweet, but more economically viable refined oil. Joe, you're one for one. You're coming into the size by population of the 32 teams, countries in the World Cup. Where does Russia rank by population? So, Dan... And now you I have to get within three. Within three to be right. Within three, meaning that, like, let's say, for example, that I was to guess 10. If it was seven, I'd still get it right. No. If you it was would, eight, I'd still get it right. You Eight, you'd get it right. So if but you guess 10... Also, if it was 12, I'd still get it right. Yeah, you've got eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, if you were to guess okay. 10. Uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, so I think Russia's big because it's physically big, and I just think there's a shitload of people in Russia. Um, Russians, one might say. Yes, uh, one might. One, You've if one were so inclined, be paying attention, Joe, they would call them Russians. Uh, that came out of left field. Nobody would have guessed that. <laughs> but in order to give myself more coverage, I'm going to get strategic here. So I'm going to guess that they are the number three country. Wow, Joe. I have never seen such a thing. Joe. You nailed it on the dot of the countries in the World Cup. I knew, I, I thought as I was playing in the segment, the guess of number three seemed like a guess you would make. I mean, I really don't think that much of you in a strategic sense. I've played board games with you, but you nailed the strategy and you nailed it on the dot. They are the third biggest country out of yes. the 32 teams. So in future, for future countries, that's going to sort of make your strategy a little bit... Uh, a little bit tougher, knowing that number yeah, three is hard. off the board. Hard. Mm-hmm. They check in with 143 million people, and they are the ninth biggest country overall in the world, and the third biggest out of the 32. Joe, unprecedented territory here. You're two for two. Wow. I mean, I wish I had more questions for you so you could keep ace again. I mean, maybe you're, you're secretly a I'm diplomat. A Russian, I'm, yeah, I'm a Russian agent. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I think you haven't traveled to enough countries unless you're lying to us all, Joe, and you've actually been to all of them. Well, I mean, like part of the criteria for being a Russian secret agent is you have to lie about certain things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they train you. You've been secretly scuttling all the previous questions, getting them wrong, setting this up. 
<laughs> you should have been like, oh, Russian biggest export? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, probably fish again? Yeah. Let me try that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Joe, let's just get right into this. Number one, you want a country. It's not too good or not too bad. You want to hear the road to qualification, and you want to hear the World Cup history. Since one of them's easy, I'm just going to get it out of the way. The road to qualification of the 53 countries in UEFA, only one of them did not enter the qualifying competition, and that would be none other than Russia, who automatically qualifies as the host. Dan, let me ask you this. What do they do? Do, do they still compete in qualification matches? Like, what do they do? Do they play friendlies? Like, So I think it's an interesting question, and I thought, oh, maybe they just enter. But it actually makes a lot of sense. If they entered, it's kind of like bullshit. If you cuz imagine if a team is in their group and Russia really isn't playing for anything. It, it's like very unfair. So they just did not mm. enter qualifying. They played no qualifying matches. They did not enter the qualification cycle and I I'm sure they peppered their schedule with international friendlies to get ready, but they as I said, of all the countries in Europe, they were the only one who did not enter into qualifying. And again, I'm not sure if they're like prohibited from entering a qualification, but I know that they did not. I mean, I wonder, it's sort of like fine for Russia because they do not have a like historically good team. So getting the automatic qualification is great. But I wonder if like a team like Brazil in the last World Cup, if it hurts their ability to like prepare for the World Cup to not be playing in meaningful games leading up to it. Yeah, yeah, it might. I mean, I think maybe they, they've always played in the Confederation Cup, which is a year before. Two years before. Yeah, right. No, I think it's one year before. I think it was last year. They usually do them always in even years. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I no, know. I think the Confederation Cup in particular. Oh, oh, oh yeah. The yeah. one where Sorry. they it's yeah. the host nation right. plus. Yeah. And, and so they've got that. And like how you would even schedule those friendlies in the fact that like, so so like the international breaks from um from all the leagues happen at the same time. So whether so if you're going to play, whether it's a meaningful game or a friendly, you're going to do it during that international break. But every other team that's good is playing in these qualifying competitions. So like Argentina or Belgium or whoever isn't going to have a friendly with you because they're in the middle of European play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it might be a hindrance. It might be a help. I mean, has the host nation, I guess, I mean, I guess we know what the last episode Uruguay won, but has a host nation won recently i mean right and that didn't like when uruguay won that was the first germany one. didn't I, I, win I don't think there was when they hosted in germany did france win in 1998 maybe they did i mean i'm sure there's a whole history of host nations winning that we just don't know but like it doesn't seem like in recent memory yeah happened. yeah so I, the last host to win is france in 1998 but um yeah, I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, we know theoretically the host always does better, as we will see in the... We already kind of know the betting odds in this group because we went over them last episode, but right. it is interesting to think that they don't go through qualification and they sort of, you know, they're, they're missing out on a lot. Right, right, and, right. And just to think, in 2006, Germany hosts the World Cup. They don't win in 2014. Brazil hosts the World Cup and they don't win, so maybe, you know, right, there is something to that. very good teams, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so let's look at their history. So, of course, this is going to be a bit of a split history because uh, previous to from the 1990 World Cup and in the past, they competed as the Soviet Union. From the 1994 World Cup on, they were at the Russian Federation. So they, the Soviet Union was actually a pretty darn good team in the uh, 19... So they, they first entered the World Cup in 1958. And I actually read about this a little bit. 
the Soviet Union, when it was in its early nascent years, they weren't really competing on the world stage a lot, especially in sporting events. I mean, they had a lot of internal shit going on. And I don't think it was until maybe 30 years later, and I think maybe into the 1950s after World War II, when the Soviet Union really started trying to project their power in the Olympics and in these other events. And you can see that in the World Cup, where in the 1958 World Cup, they finish... They make it to the quarterfinals. The next World Cup, they make it to the quarterfinals. The next World Cup, 1966, they finish fourth place. The next one, they make it to the quarterfinals. So the 1974 World Cup, they're disqualified from uh, for whatever reason. 1978, they don't qualify. Then they they sort of get on the Soviet Union. I mean, I think the Soviet Union at this point is sort of in its downfall anyways. And you can see in the athletics as well, in 82... They make it to the second group stage, whatever that means. 86, round of 16, 1990, eliminated in the group stage. 94, group stage. 2002, group stage. 2014, group stage. And then uh, sprinkle in three do not qualifies in the meantime. So they Mm -hmm. have not made it out of the group stage since um, 1986. So, you know, this is a, a team that I think sort of peaked much like Uruguay peaked in the uh, 1930s, it seemed, in the 1920s, this Russia and the Soviet Union definitely peaked in the you know 19, late 1950s, 1960s, probably when they were doping with some fucking like insane shit. That, um, it wasn't doping back then. It wasn't illegal. It was yeah. just like... <laughs> I mean, even if it was illegal, they were leaps and bounds ahead. But, um, you know, so they didn't qualify in 2006, 2010. 2014, they qualified... They finished two draws, one loss, didn't make it out of the group stage. And then, of course, this year they qualify as the host. And, you know, as we talked about last episode, there's no spoiler here. They are favored to advance from their group, and they are in a really, really easy group. So, you know, this is... um, And, you know, let's just get into the numbers here. So it's actually not particularly interesting because the numbers are almost identical to Uruguay. I mean, it's really crazy. Because they're in the same group, and basically the world ranks the Russian team plus home field advantage almost exactly equal to Uruguay. But um, their odds of making it out of the group stage, 75%. To the quarterfinals, about 40%. To the semifinals, about 20%. To the final, about 7%. It's it's that same drop we saw with Uruguay where it's just that once you get to the semifinal stage, like you're you're starting to face the real world powerhouses, and I'm not sure the home field advantage is going to take them all the way but to win about two and a half percent which puts their winner odds at 33 to 1 which is 10th out of the 32 teams now if you really have a sharp mind which i'm sure you don't in terms of these numbers i'm throwing at you in the last podcast i said uruguay had 33 to 1 odds as well but breaking news uruguay's odds have actually moved up to 28 to 1 when our podcast hit and people started listening about all the players to watch and the buzz in uruguay they got moved up, so but Russia has stayed the no, same. No, damn, it's when people heard that goddamn national anthem. They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, you play that national anthem. I, I, who doesn't think this team can do it all? I mean, it's amazing. No. Once but, you hear that. So yeah. Russia is 33-1, to 1, which puts them 10th out of the 32 teams. So they're still in the well in the upper half, but they're obviously not in the top tier of countries uh, that are entered in this World Cup, Joe. So there you go. That's their history. That's their qualification. That's their odds. What do you make of this team? I mean, it's interesting. Like, I wonder, we, we, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, like how much is the p- 
potentiality of corruption sort of baked into the gambling odds or just like baked into people's assumption of like, will there be attempts at bribery of refs? Like, will like, like what, what type of like, because now it is like all but confirmed that Russia bribed their way to hosting. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I almost mentioned it in the intro, but I was explaining this to Megan and I was like, when they were awarded the 2018 world cup, it was sort of a bit of a shock, but it wasn't completely insane. And that would have been the big story if not for like an hour later when they announced Qatar as a 2022. And that was just like sucked all the oxygen out of room because that is like the most insane thing ever. So Russia is sort of like the fact that now it's going to be winter of 2022. Yeah, the whole thing's ridiculous. The the point is the fact that Russia and Qatar were awarded at the same time was like super cover for all of the like corruption that Russia did. Because no matter how whatever Russia did, whatever Qatar did was like... 50 <laughs> times worse. I mean, so yeah, and look, I mean, I mean, Dan, you've played board games with me before. Like I don't I don't mind cheating so much. Um so like the fact that Russia was bribing its way to get a World Cup, like if you're Russia, like you should. You should do that. And like Yeah, yeah, well, if you know, the US you know, should like, do that too. Right. And like when all is said and done, yes, some people got arrested. Yes, some people got in trouble, but like Russia is still hosting. I like, mean, Qatar is still hosting. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like for like for for the it's actually like it's sort of questionably st- stupid to actually take the bribe because it's it's huge exposure for you for the country giving the bribe. There's like zero risk at all. Like the yeah, only absolutely. risk is not getting the World Cup. And if you didn't think you were going to get it without bribing, then like you should be bribing. Like right? all you um, have to do if you're giving the bribe is just don't live in the United States. Like if you live yeah. in Russia, you're fine. But if you live yeah. in the United States, like that stupid guy did, I mean, he was accepting the bribe, but it's like, then you come under like all these ridiculous US law. I mean, maybe not good, ridiculous, like anti-corruption laws. But if you're in yeah. Russia. Yeah, no, those are good laws. But yeah, just don't, don't live in the US. But it is a like, I think a fair question of like, you know, do we expect that that corruption will extend to the actual play on the field? Yeah, it is interesting. So, so just to add one and thing, Russia got a super easy group. Too. There's literally a 538 article about it. Is like how unlikely it is that Russia got like such an easy group. But I think in the draw, they actually do a physical draw. So it's, I mean, I watched the movie about the like Russian doping scandal, and it's like the easier. And as I was saying in the Uruguay episode, the easier thing to do would just be to like dope before the olympics and then take all your people off the drug so it's undetectable but the russians are like no keep doping and we're gonna create this elaborate ridiculous system to like switch the samples in the dead of night with like fake you know uh doors in the walls and like people crawling around like secretly you know like hack the security cameras so when you see them get an easy group you're always wondering like oh maybe they just got lucky or it's like or maybe they like created a new type of paper that weighs like a little bit less. So like when the machine, when they pick the draw out or they paid the person off, you honestly. I, at no, this, it's not that. It's that you, um, the slips that you want, you like put them in like, you like put them in like the freezer beforehand. So the person so feels, cold. no, really, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they feel well, for the I'm cold saying, strips. Yeah. At this point, after what we've seen with the Olympic doping, there's honestly like until the moment where Russia gets eliminated, I think every single thing that happens related to Russia is suspect. Like, everything. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Russia has bugged all of the, like, locker rooms. for Like, I don't know in soccer if it's right. as much like 
football where it's like, oh, if you know the play. I mean, I don't think soccer is like that where – there's, yeah, I mean the tactics. Yeah, there are there aren't like plays so much, and the tactics like like you might not want to know it in advance, but like once it's happening, you it's happening. Yeah, like it's you're like seeing live. it on yeah. the pitch. Like I don't think there's right. any. But Russia, literally anything they could do is untrustworthy. Right, right. So I mean, you know, all that is a lot to take in for this ranking. I mean, I think um, it is sort of tough to not see a team in qualification to to sort of assess where they are right now. But I actually do think that this is probably a better Russia team than has existed in a long time. They are going to have home field advantage. They're going to be like, if they can cheat, if they can have some corruption, they will, which they should, because they need it. So look, all that is to say that like, like I, I think this team probably isn't as bad as they are on paper, given their World Cup history, but they are still just a little too bad for my liking of what I'm trying to root for. Uh, so I'm going to say a four out of 10. Four out of 10. That's a good American score, Joe. All right. I don't have a deck of cards in front of me. No, no, but- I have, I have, I have um, a deck of cards from random.org. Oh, and they even have animations of cards here. It's a nine. A nine. Well, let's just get right into it, Joe. System of government, head of state. I'm sure this okay, is going to well, be a slam dunk well, for Russia. Perfect. 10 out of 10. Let's keep going. Yeah. Boom. Speed round. From Superfan Bez, System of Government, and Superfan Ryan, head of state. Russia is Putin. What more is there to say? Since the downfall of communism and the transition to democracy, Russian politics has been dominated by one man, His Excellency, Vladimir Putin. For many years, Russia was part of the Soviet Union, a communist state. Decades of mistreatment from the monarchy and ruling elite saw the mistreated masses rise up and overthrow their rulers before they turned to communism. There were many benefits of the communist system, including guaranteed jobs for all, a base salary that allowed people to live above the poverty line, and a feeling of community. In America, there is a hatred for this left-wing ideology, but it is very misunderstood. What the Soviet Union had was not true communism, but a warped version of it based on corruption at all levels. Today, the Communist Party is the main opposition in parliament. Theoretically, the new system of democratic government is semi-presidential, federal republic, which means the president is elected and shares power with a prime minister and two houses of assembly. However, Putin's United Russia Party dominates elections and gives him the support to do as he pleases. Even the prime minister is Putin's lapdog. Dmitry Medvedev served as president for four years only because Putin couldn't stand for a third consecutive term. Russia is struggling with the move away from the Soviet state, and democracy just doesn't seem to work there. Political opponents die or are jailed, and it is now seen as anti-Russian to criticize the work of united Russia. Being so comfortable in power is never healthy, and Putin feels confident enough to turn his focus away from domestic issues to interfere with other nations. Whoa. That's only, Mm. that's alleged. There's no proof of that. <laughs> in fact, Putin reached new heights last year as he was elected president of the United States. Oh, my God, Bez. <laughs> this I one, like it, Bez. Keep it going. This one man, one party state has led to a nation that reflects the style of Putin. Russian society has become macho, violent, and intolerant of minorities, all of which is destined to make the headlines as the World Cup heads there this summer. Boy, I feel like that is some... Some uh, U.S. propaganda sprinkling into that. I think Bez is from England. Well, whatever. I think there's some very Western (laughs) 
uh, stereotypes of Russia. Superfan Ryan, maybe he will have a more level-headed view of the head of state of Russia, who happens to be President Vladimir Putin. What you might like about him, nothing. (laughs) Why you might not like him. John McCain called him a, quote, thug and murderer. He murders enemies. He imprisons dissenters. Invaded Crimea. Very corrupt. Ignored USSR crimes against humanity in World War II, etc. That's it. He, he couldn't even list more. He just goes with et cetera. You, et cetera, you, yeah. I think that says you it all. Know. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting question, Dan. If Russia is so, like, concerned right now with trying to assert their dominance on, like, the world sporting stage, Dan, why didn't they bribe us to give them good scores in this competition? <laughs> well, you think they didn't bribe us, Joe. I'm here yeah. defending Mother yeah. Russia. yeah. Yeah. I think this is unfair. They did not they didn't interfere with anything, Joe. You know, look, anybody could have hacked that Podesta guy. His password was like password with an et sign for the A. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh yeah. Um look, it would be one thing if Vladimir Putin and the Russian government were just like arrogant and like interfering with other countries elections because you'd be like well whatever we do the same thing absolutely like like america is just as bad but you know it's it's like the human rights violation and like the the like gay rights stuff like that's the part of it that it's like man it's pretty bad over there for some for some folks yeah i mean if you declare yourself as a political opponent it is crazy that like Donald Trump is like, oh, Hillary is going to get locked up or whatever for her supposed crimes. And, you know, he's very Russian, very putin But in Russia, political opponents just die. Or a guy who was like a political opponent was disallowed from running for president. Like, Putin was like, yeah. you can't run no. for president. No, you can't. And, and <laughs> you disagree with the me biggest, too much. The biggest um, opponent of Putin, probably the most critical person that I notice on a uh who's a famous russian who criticizes putin is gary kasparov and the idea being like gary kasparov you know was this famous russian world chess champion for maybe 20 years or whatever one of the greatest chess players in history if not the greatest like he's just above the point where the russian government can kill him like he's just too famous to be killed but like he is like the only person that can actually speak out about putin and i think even still he doesn't go to russia as much as he would want to, or maybe not at all, because I know he had a Russian uh, opposing party, and I think it was like heavily cracked down upon. So I think he spent most of his time in the U.S. now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, and it's also crazy. I mean, the thing that I keep thinking about that's so weird, and like, it just, for all of our international fans, it is so surreal to be an American where like, you know, four years ago, when Barack Obama ran against Mitt Romney, there was a debate where, you know, it was on international relations. And Mitt Romney said that he thought that, like, Russia was the biggest current threat. And it was sort of like Democrats kind of, like, made fun of Mitt Romney because it was like, oh, like, all this stuff with, like, international terrorism and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he's he's identifying Russia. But, like, it, there was still this, like, sense that, like, the Republican Party had this, like, holdover from the Cold War of being, like, the anti-Russia party. Um. And then, like, how quickly, within a matter of, like, from, you know, a year and a half ago from today, maybe two years ago from today, that was still true. And now it's like, 
a total about face where like the Republicans like, oh, yeah, Putin's not so bad. It's just crazy. But it's only because, I mean, honestly speaking, all the people are right. Russia isn't actually that big of a deal. Like as Barack Obama was leaving office, he gave a speech about it, you know, knowing that Donald Trump had won. He's like, Russia is not that big of a deal. They literally hacked the dumbest, like John Podesta <laughs> clicked a phishing email and all they did was leak emails. And so they bought a bunch of fucking Facebook ads. Like it's not actually that, like it's a big deal in the sense that the Trumps like went to Russia and were like, hey, Russia, help us out. But it's not a right. big deal if instead that were Russia, that were just like like you and I formed like a consulting firm and they came to us and, we're, and we were like, we've got an idea. How about we hack John Podesta's emails, publish them? Or even if we don't do that, we'll be like, let's buy a bunch of Facebook ads that have a bunch of lies about Hillary Clinton. Let's do that. W- whatever. That would be completely fine. It's just because it's another country that everybody's so upset about. It. But that's they literally just downloaded a guy's emails that were his password was password and put it on WikiLeaks. And again, I'm not defending the Trumps here. I'm just saying the I think the talking point, like Democrats use the talking point of Russia, I think based on the fact that so many Americans have this like ingrained Cold War mentality. Totally. I, and and I don't think Russia is a particularly great country. I'm just saying like Russia isn't really a threat to the United States. And if the next presidential candidate just has two-factor authentication, literally <laughs> all the Russians will do is have a bunch of Twitter bots and buy a bunch of Facebook ads that shouldn't make a fucking difference. It's it's just yeah, but I mean, I think I think that you're underplaying the like how much it matters the difference. I mean, you said like the only difference is that it's not a person; it's it's a foreign government, and like I think you're underplaying how much that is a big difference. And like if it were. I mean, to a degree, I think you're right that like it is because people are still scared of Russia. But I also think that if it were any country that was like as big as Russia, like you're right, if it was like, oh, you know, the the person, the people who hacked John Podesta's email were the Peruvians who like, oh, whatever. <laughs> like, like, OK, that's great. Are they going to fucking Peruvians love Trump? <laughs> yeah, like like Trump's going to start importing llama meat. Fine. OK. <laughs> Um, hey, hey, what are you, what are you throwing Peru under the bus for? Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm just saying it would be like llama relatively... meat. Well, they have llamas now. I don't know. Whatever. Dude, you don't know anything. We haven't done Peru yet. <laughs> but 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 the point is, if it were if it were chi- if 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 it were China, if if it were yeah, pick countries that aren't in the World Cup. This damn Chinese, Joe. Right. Okay. So if Trump had been colluding with China to hack someone's email and post fake stuff on Facebook, I think that would be a big deal too. I don't think it's just the fact that it's Russia. I think that, well, China is a big deal. I'm just saying, I think if it were Peru, people would be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But it's about like their power on the world stage amplifies how much it's a problem if they interfere with our elections. It just only mattered because Trump won. And Trump did not like, if Trump did not win because of Russia hacking it. It was like one of like 15 factors that had to go right. And again, it's not like Russia came over and had like armed guards at at polling stations and like prevented people from voting. They just posted John Podesta's emails online because John Podesta is a fucking idiot who had a stupid password. That's all they did. And oh, they bought a bunch of Facebook ads. The the buying the ads thing is so stupid. Like... If buying stupid Facebook ads works, then every party should do it. <laughs> we're, way, we're way off track. 
I don't think this could be a defensively high score. Uh, one out of ten. One out of ten. I think it's a fair score. All right, Joe. What's next? Five. Number five. History with the U.S. men's national team. Oh, this one's going to be easy, Joe. I don't know whether it was Superfan Luke or Superfan Sean who was supposed to do the research, but whoever was supposed to do it didn't do it. So I had to look up, again, the indignity. The U.S. has had four <laughs> matches against the USSR. The U.S. has one draw and three losses. Two of them, actually, I was researching this because I thought maybe they weren't friendlies. Two of them were played in some sort of 1979 event. It was actually in Seattle where the U.S., played the USSR in Seattle and San Francisco within the span of like a week. I have no idea why they did that, but the U.S. lost both of them. I think that that was part of the negotiated settlement from the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> it was just one of those weird like riders that was added to it. I mean, yeah. and it was like, you know, you know, 15 years later too. It was totally... And they get to assert their dominance by beating us in soccer <laughs> exactly. on, our, on our land. And then... Against Russia, the Russian Federation, we've played five international friendlies. No actual important matches. The U.S. has three draws and two losses. So if you're paying attention, the U.S. has never beaten the USSR or Russia in a football matchup. Though, I think if our teams actually played against each other, which they could have had we just qualified for the goddamn World Cup, we'd probably be favored. But... um Again, never the U.S. and either the USSR or Russia have never played a significant match in uh, in history. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this category um, uh, before we we uh, talked today, and I was thinking that the U.S. and Russia don't have a game that I can remember, which you know for good reason now. But that like they are sort of our biggest international sports rivals in general. Like absolutely, hockey, anything in the Olympics. I mean. That, like, I mean, in the Winter Olympics, it's always yeah. like Russia yeah. that you're watching out for. So, like, had the U.S. been matched up with Russia in any game in this World Cup, it would have been such a exciting matchup. Even though it's not like the two soccer teams have that much of a rivalry. But I think... So should I rename this category to potential alternate universe matchups in 2018? Yeah, it's yeah, history yes. with the U.S. men's national <laughs> team, Joe. There isn't any. There isn't any, but I'm saying there there are history with, with other U.S. men's national teams. And that needs to be like a factor because like the, like the question with this category is always about like once the 2022 Olympics come around, am I going to like regret my rooting interest because now this is a team that like I should be hating as a U.S. fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, like, so I think Russia's you're saying the kinetic energy is very low because they haven't played, but the potential energy is very high because if they did exactly. play, it would be a ma- it would be huge. Exactly, exactly. And I think that it would sort of be like the ultimate trolling move of like any like U.S. fan to be like, U.S. is out. I'm rooting for Russia. <laughs> uh so so i think this is a tough category for them but 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 you know to your point there isn't much of a history but there, it's so not let's just... like the chargers where you actively hate them you you like the u.s men's national team. no exactly that's what i'm saying that's why it would be the ultimate trolley move right yeah, like yeah, yeah like it, right if i hated the u.s team if like if all of a sudden i was like nope i want to do whatever i can to like pick the the, the most opposition team of the u.s it would probably be russia or mexico but f- for this it's like not that much of history, but there is that history there. So let's say four out of 10. Four out of 10. Very popular score in that category. Joe, what's next? Seven. Into seven we go. Oof. 
Atrocities from Fan Emeritus Josh PhD. Oh boy. This one is a bit complicated since there's the question of whether we're considering Russia as it exists today as opposed to the Soviet Union or earlier Imperial Russia. If we include the Soviet Union, one of the worst atrocities ever anywhere is the Ukrainian famine of 1932, which killed millions and some historians say was a deliberate Soviet state policy. The Russian government today strongly disagrees with this and claims the famine was an accidental part of a broader political crisis during the period. More recently, from 1999 to 2009, the Russian government fought a long, brutal war in Chechnya to prevent the region from declaring independence. The Russian military massacred many suspected rebels and civilians. The insurgents, meanwhile, started a campaign of suicide bombings and attacks within Russia. The European Court of Human Rights has ruled in several cases that the Russian government violated the European Convention on Human Rights. Political repression is also a major issue within the country. And of course, the biggest atrocity of all is their support of Donald Trump. (laughs) Atrocity level habanero. Yeah, this is bad. This is bad. Also, didn't they just shoot down a plane? They, um, They gave... I think arms to the Ukrainian pro-Russia. I don't think it was the Russian army, but I believe it was Russian missile. And they gave it to the pro-Russian forces in Ukraine. And they shot down what they thought was a uh, military plane of some sort. But it actually was a Malaysian Airlines civilian liner containing hundreds of people. And yeah, they shot it down. And I believe, and they're, of course, denying it, but like the proof is overwhelming. Like they right. obviously did it. It was shot down with a Russian missile. And um, yeah, they, they did, they do stuff like that. I mean, they once shot down a plane. I mean, this is a Soviet Union thing, a plane that contained a civilian plane that had a U.S. congressman on board because it, the plane uh, strayed into Soviet Union airspace. And, you know, there, which launched like a million conspiracy theories. I mean, they've done some fucking crazy ass shit. Yeah, this is not a good category for them either. You know, we really got to get to some good Russia categories. I feel bad. But, um, you know, this is some pretty atrocious atrocities. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how much it matters, Josh's question of whether or not we're considering the Soviet Union or not. Because it's not like, it's not like, like I, I think it would matter if, we said, well, this was the Soviet Union, but since then, Russia has done nothing wrong. Yeah. Right? Russia has like, been great. Right. Like, no, I mean, I think that would be a big difference. But They elected uh, you know, Barack just like, Obama in a shocking result. <laughs> just like with Uruguay, you know, we didn't really consider much of their time as a military dictatorship because it's like that was gone. Like that was over and it has really nothing to do with the current regime. Um, I think this is a one out of 10. Yeah, I think it's a fair score. Hey, Joe, roll the die. What's up next? It is eight. Eight. Wow. Celebrity, Joe. Maybe something Russians can get something on the board because I admit through four categories, their highest score is a four. All right. Yeah. No, I love Russian celebrities. Dan, you've made it so far in this episode without a Russian accent. These. No, that's my. No, no, that's Austrian. That's That's Austrian. Austrian accent. This is my first and so no, I've only got Austrian. <laughs> no, you just you go straight to Austria. Yeah. Well, I've got that one down pat. This is my first installment of celebrity <laughs> research. I have decided to present three celebrities per country rated for bronze. Oh, this was the first one he ever did. Anyways, okay. Here we go. Russian celebrities. Honorable mention. Alex Ovechkin. Oh my god, I love Alex Ovechkin. 
hockey star from my Washington Capitals. Although Alex Ovechkin is like, they came out with a thing where it was like Team Putin, and Alex Ovechkin was like, I'm on Team Putin. I mean, I don't know how much choice he had, but he seems to really like Putin. Yeah, I think legally everyone's on Team Putin. (laughs) Steven Seagal, actor. Not really Russian, but has citizenship. Wow. Carson is really getting deep. The bronze medalist. So that's it. Two honorable mention. The bronze medalist. Anna Kornikova, tennis player and model. Kornikova is known more for her modeling career and looks than her performance as a tennis player. She never won a Grand Slam and topped out as the eighth-ranked tennis player in the world. In 2008, she was the most-searched athlete in the world and has appeared on various hottest-slash-sexiest lists for ESPN, Maxim, and People magazine. She's not on Twitter, but everybody knows who Anna Kornikova is. Sure. The silver medalist. Wow. If we haven't already talked about him enough, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia. I mean, it's a good point. If this were a list of most influential, Putin would be first. You could argue his celebrity in Russia might warrant ranking him first. He has an approval rating of 88% in Russia, although it is fair to question the validity of this metric. (laughs) Putin was the 2007 Time Person of the Year. One of his paintings sold for 37 million rubles, about $62,000, at a Russian charity event. He has driven a race car at 240 kilometers per hour, flown Russian military jets, and even flew a firefighting airplane. At age 64, he scored seven goals in a hockey match versus former NHL players. Oh, I saw that hockey match. (laughs) How much were they taking it for him? (laughs) It's not even how much were they taking it. They were like, he would like shoot it and they would like assist it into the goal and be like, good job, Vladimir. (laughs) Propaganda, though, I don't want to, he is like a buff, tough guy, but... He's not, he's not an all-star soccer player. Propaganda aside, Putin absolutely has immense celebrity status in Russia. The only reason he can't be ranked first is because that celebrity status is in at least in part due to state-run media in Russia. He's got 807,000 Twitter followers and is not verified. Oof. Sick burn <laughs> Twitter. That means that, that we could start posting as the real Vladimir Putin? Let's register it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I mean, the problem is... I just don't want killed. to mess with Russia. I just yeah, I don't want to no, die. Uh-uh. No, no. I, I, and we have no reason to mess with Russia. Don't we, You don't need to mess with us, Russia. We're fine. We're fine. I'm supportive. I've been supportive this whole time. Joe, your scores are on the record. I would score Look, them a 10 out of every category. I will re-record if they, if they just bribe us. That's fine. <laughs> Joe, we'll start over. Once this goes out there, your file in Russia has started. They know where you live. They've played soccer there before. They know how to get to you. The gold medalist. Oh, my God. I'm intimately familiar with her. Oh, this is kind of bullshit because she lives in the United States. But Maria Sharapova, the tennis player. Sharapova is famous for her success on the tennis court as a model and multitude of endorsements. Sharapova has a career Grand Slam. She's won Wimbledon, the U.S. Open, the French Open, and the Australian at least once. At one point in her career, she was the number one tennis player in the world. She is so committed to her success... (laughs) She had... To serve a 15th-month ban for doping recently. Those Russians. Yeah. She has appeared in the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, Maxim Magazine, as well as being a Forbes Top 100 celebrity from 2005 to 2011. She's been endorsed by Nike, appeared at events for Porsche, and was at one point the face of Cole Haan. 
Her endorsement deal with Nike in 2010 was for $70 million, which at the time was the largest for any female athlete. She has about 8 million Twitter followers. But again, I know I follow tennis pretty closely. She lives in Florida. She does not live in Russia, but she is Russian. But she is Russian, though. She's absolutely Russian, yeah. There you go. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good list. A lot of, I mean, it, it's a very sports-heavy list. I mean, even Vladimir Putin, Karsten seemed to be like more interested in his hockey skills than his presidency. But I mean, I ask a other quote like, I think other famous people like Gary Kasparov is probably a, another yep. Russian name I could say to anybody. But in Russia, Gary Kasparov is sort of like he's the enemy of the state a little bit now. He's sort of turned. So I'm not sure. If you think of Russians outside of that, like what you would think of. I think these celebrities are, I mean, look, it shows you like th- this is just a strong sporting country. Uh, they they have um, some pretty like dominant tennis stars for sure. Obviously hockey. Um, it's not a bad list. It's not a bad list. Uh, let's say five and a half out of 10. Five and a half. All right, Dan. Number six. Number six, fan culture from Superfan Yannick. Russia is the home team of the World Cup, so you can expect a lot of supporters during their games. The Russian fans were described as fair weather. They only support the national team when they're winning. Many fans also think football in Russia is dying because of government policies to have at least five homegrown players on the field. Wow. Even with these rules, aiming to support young Russian players, the national team didn't look very good in the last few years. Another thing the Russians are used to, they have 11 time zones. So some are used to watching their home team play at 4 in the morning. Rivals. That's rough. Poland. The rivalry with Poland is the most heated, but it feels like it has a lot to do with the hooligan fights between the fans of these two nations. (laughs) And, of course, Ukraine. The rivalry has become political in the last few years due to Russia just taking Crimea and, of course, shooting down that plane, as you mentioned earlier. So UEFA tries to avoid these teams playing each other. If you were a Crimean soccer player, where would you play? It's a good question. That's a a real question, isn't it? I think you might, honestly, at this point, have a choice. Because you were clearly born in Ukraine, but you currently live, like, in Russian Federation territory. Ooh, yeah. That's rough. Russia has some good teams, though, in the international stage, don't they? Because I know they get a couple teams in the Champions League. Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, Russia, Russia does all right, and they hire some some good coaches. They like are are sometimes like a a little bit of like a souped up version of what the MLS does, or like now what China's really doing, which is like signing signing players who are a little bit older sometimes, yeah. who are like on like the end of their not not like they're like way over the hill, but like they're signing their last contracts. They want to sign it for as much money as possible, so they go to a Russian team. Yeah, because I imagine if you're an actual elite player, you really don't want to play in Russia, I assume. Right. Oh, no, no, no. No, definitely not. But but if you can get paid a lot more, especially in like those wages at the end of your career, I mean, I, I, I think it's the same with China. Like you're not, you're not, it's not the same level of competition, not a country you're used to. But yeah, so if you're like an elite, you know, player from Spain or whatever, like, yeah, sure. You know, go to Russia at the end of your career. Yeah, I am thinking about this, though, now, because I'm thinking, all right, well, Russia's obviously not the great World Cup team. Like, they're not going to win the World Cup. I mean, they're very unlikely. They might, you know, with corruption or whatever. I don't even know if they're the best hockey team in the world. It feels like Canada's the best hockey team in the world. 
Like, they're not the best at cricket. You know, that's like India or all these other. Like, what is Russia? What is their number one sport that they're best at? Hmm. Uh, okay. So, I mean, you covered. They have some good tennis players. Yeah, tennis, you know. definitely. I mean, it used to be, I feel like gymnastics used to be a thing. Or, the, or yep. maybe like weightlifting. Totally. But that was all like doping related. Totally. Yeah, gymnastics, figure skating, for sure. Oh, yeah, figure like, I skating, I think the winter definitely. sports are, like, really big with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they're figure skater because all the um, Russian winter athletes got banned. They, you know, from this World Cup for their <laughs> doping thing that I mentioned earlier. I think their, like, female figure skater was, like, the best in the world, and she can't compete under the Russian yeah. flag. Yeah. I mean, do you consider chess to be a sport? Uh, well, the thing is, the best chess players in the world aren't Russian anymore. The best chess player in the world is uh, Magnus Carlsen from Norway. So, And then the other, the previous world champion was Anand from India. So they haven't had a world chess champion yeah. for probably 10 years. I mean, so for all Putin's talk about dominance on the international sports stage, like, come on, produce some winners, buddy. Yeah, because I just wonder, because America, like, we can list a bunch of sports that we're really, we obviously will have the best basketball team in the world. You know, we have the best base. Well, maybe not the best baseball team, actually. A lot of countries can compete to that. But whatever. Of the international sports, like America is like, we're winning that gold medal in basketball. I'm not sure if Russia has a sport where they're like winning that medal every time. Yeah. I mean, I think probably the closest is figure skating and gymnastics, probably. Yeah, but I don't. And think- yet, even still, like, like it, you know, there's so much competition for the from the U.S. from China in those categories. It's not even a slam dunk. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if they have it because, like, I mean, we don't need to get into the countries, but I'm not sure. I, Russia might be might not have that like dominant sport that that um, you know that, that that other countries have. I it might be just a little more projecting on their their part, as per usual. I mean, now I wonder, like, what is the um- He's talking about fan culture, but this is the World Cup in Russia. So like, what is your sense of like, how much is it, is it going to feel like a Russian World Cup? Like, are they going to be out there? Like, how much, how much home field advantage will they have? Like, what is that going to look like? Honestly, I can't even envision it. I mean, like, think about, think about like, um, in South Africa, right? Like South Africa, you know, I don't know that they're known for their fans, right? But remember they have those stupid, um, uh, Vuvuzela things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, and fun. that was like a that was like a South Africa World Cup thing. Like that yeah, was yeah. like if I if I like see a Vuvuzela, I'm gonna think about that World Cup. Yeah, and like I wonder, like what is like, like what is the Russia thing going to be? And like, are you know they talk about like why teams have a home field advantage or what the home field advantage looks like in, um, in a World Cup. And it should be all about the fans. Like, what are these fans going to look like if they show up? I honestly, like, when I think of Russians, I think of people who drink a lot. And I know a guy <laughs> who's Russian, and he drinks a lot. He's, you know, a very he's exactly what you expect from a Russian stereotype. He likes drinking a lot. He's, like, a, a very, um, I guess I would say bleak personality. <laughs> no, he's a nice guy and everything, but, you know, he likes drinking and being bleak. Like, that's what he's all about. And I don't, I, I mean, yeah, what are those like Moscow? Bleakness and like extreme fan culture does not like, it, it, there's not a lot of overlap there. Yeah, like I just can't imagine Russian fans like getting in the crowd. I mean, first of all, do they serve vodka at soccer matches? Like, is that a thing? 
I mean, in Russia, they do. Certainly. I know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, if I go in the stands, can I just be like, hey, vodka guy? And he, like, comes over and, like, slings me, like, a cup yeah, of... Yeah, get your vodka here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, one, sir. Uh, uh, one uh, vodka, sir. That was uh, that was kind of Borat. Yeah, that, yeah was... that was good. That was good. You're getting closer. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I think... I think uh, not a great soccer fan culture, but I think because it's there, I think that it, there's going to be more of it. So let's say three and a half out of 10. <laughs> you think it's too low? I, mean, what, what? I don't know. No, I think it's fine. Next category. This is probably because it's already too long. No, I, 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 I just, it, this is like a bleak score for Russia. I just feel like we're wild card. Dan, what do you want, Joe? Let's do the national anthem. I'm ready for it. Joe. Wow. All right, to the national anthem. Here we go. From Superfan Emeritus Tony PhD, the Russian national anthem is aptly titled the, quote, state anthem of the Russian Federation. The origin story. It's very complicated because it's heavily tied to government and politics. They used the Soviet anthem from 1944 but they had to sing it without the lyrics after 1956 due to the original lyrics having references to the former leader Joseph Stalin. New lyrics were introduced in 1977 by Mikhalkov, with lyrics placing less emphasis on World War II and more on the victory of communism. However, after the breakup of the Soviet Union, they replaced the Soviet anthem with a different song, no lyrics, but in 1990, the communists were not happy. They also held contests to add lyrics, but none were adopted, in part because the Russian athletes complained that this version did not inspire Russian athletes during (laughs) international competitions. In 2000, Putin got the federal legislator to establish and approve... This is not inspirational enough. That sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) This is very bleak. This is not inspirational. In 2000, Putin got the federal legislator to establish and approve a return to the music of the original national anthem of the Soviet Union with newly written lyrics. The focus of the lyrics is to eulogize the history and traditions of Russia, natural beauty. But the music and the lyrics are controversial because of the past government figures and references. How much to embrace the Soviet Union or post-communist reforms. The old Soviet anthem reminds some of the best days of Russia and past sacrifices, while some argue that reverting to the Soviet anthem deepens the schism in Russian society and reminds others of the violence that occurred under the rule of Stalin. There's even some polling on this. 56% of people say it makes them feel proud. I know you're going for those Russian bots, so of course you'll love the slogans. Quote, our loyalty to the motherland gives us strength. So it was, so it is, and so it always will be. Basically, loyalty equals strength forever and ever. Interesting facts. You won't hear the anthem till the World Cup 2018 because they won't be allowed to play it at the 2018 Korea Winter Olympics. In 2002, the anthem was so new that the Russian athletics were mumbling or humming the anthem only. This ha- <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> this hasn't necessarily improved. In 2009, only 40% of people said they knew the first line. I guess it takes time for these things to really get baked into the social system. All right. I was kind of running through those, but it, clearly it won't be played in the world er, in uh, the 2018 Winter Olympics because the Russian Federation is disallowed. And the athletes, I think, are allowed to compete, but just not under the Russian flag. So anyways, Joe, you're ready for it. it it's a bit of a doozy, like the, the Uruguay National Anthem. So let's 
Just get get ready. I am ready for it. Sit back. Wow, Dan. That was long. <laughs> I mean, I could see why people don't uh, 
have trouble remembering all the lyrics to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking, I guess it's like, as long as the Uruguay one, but I feel like the Uruguay one was like an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, this one was like more... I know the Uruguay one was like, at least the lyrics were very repetitive, but like the 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 musical like tone and like the like changed so much that it was like an opera. Like it was yeah. like a whole, like, like it, it flowed from a to Z. This one kind of like went back and forth a bunch. It just felt like a four minute anthem. It did feel like a four minute anthem. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bit long. I mean, you know, we know with this like podcast, sometimes it's hard to like edit and keep yourself short. So like, I get it with like a new, new anthem. They wanted to cram everything in there. All the stuff about well, it sounds the, like they're t- editing stuff out, putting it back in, coming up with new lyrics. It's yeah, r- you know, yeah, they're trying to please everyone. You got to please the communists. You got to please Putin. You know, yeah, you got to um, get Stalin out of there. <laughs> delete the stuff about Stalin. But people are like, hey, we like Stalin. I was like, no. Nah. Yeah, so they just probably like describe Stalin, but they don't say his name. <laughs> it takes so long. Guy with the mustache. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah. You know, it's a. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, you know, it's hard to come down from that high of Uruguay. Uh, let's say three out of 10. Three out of 10. Yeah, you don't want to follow Uruguay. No, no, no. I mean, that's not even Russia's fault. All right, Joe. Russia's going to turn it around. Let's go. <laughs> Their highest score on the board is five and a half. Category three. Category three doesn't exist anymore, Joe, but you know what? We'll just seamlessly go into category two, rate the group. We've already been to this group before. We were in this group just last week for Uruguay. But let's go back in there. It's Group A with Uruguay, Russia, Egypt, Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. need to. There's really no actually new information I can give you other than what we had last week. And honestly, Russia's position in the group is exactly identical to Uruguay in every possible way. And just as a reminder, you gave Uruguay a six and a half for this group. And I think for Uruguay, this was probably by far the best group they could possibly get into as a pot two team. And for Russia, we know, I mean, there's an entire 538 article about this. Like this group is by far the easiest group they could possibly have gotten into as a pot one team. And it's just like super lucky slash obviously corrupt. Yeah. I mean, it's actually sort of interesting because... You could argue that it would be an easier group because there are there are easier pot two teams than Uruguay. But it's actually to Russia's benefit to have a strong team there who will beat up on the other two teams. No, 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 no. I think Uruguay is one of the weakest pot two teams. I, Uruguay is like a good team in the context of this podcast. But again, they're not like a hmm, good team in terms of like being a, a dominant world power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Like nonetheless, you know, if you're if you're Russia, you know, like I know we talked about, like, look, you want a group where you're playing the best of the best. This obviously is not that group, but it is good that Russia, like, if you're Russia playing in Russia and you are not a team that that has a great history of advancing out of the group, like, man, it is nice whether through corruption or just fucking sheer luck to get a group that you have a pretty good chance of advancing out of. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, one little fun fact is the first game in the World Cup is Russia does get to play and they're playing like the worst team in the world other than them, which is Saudi Arabia. So you you think if you're a Russian fan, you're going to get a nice win on the board, the fir- like 
the first yeah. game of the World Cup, you're going to beat Saudi Arabia, and you know you're already going to have three points, and you're going to be sitting pretty in your group. Yeah, maybe you even run up the score. I mean, yeah, no, this is good. I think uh, this is actually even a better group from the perspective of Russia than it was for Uruguay. Let's say eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. All right. The great Russian renaissance starts now, Joe. Two categories left. Number four, number 10. Where are we going? Number 10. All right, Joe. Rate the kit. Let's take a look at this kit. Oh, it's nice, Dan. It's got quite a crest. Quite a crest on there. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's very red. This is our first red team. But it's not like a deep red. It's like a light red. I was thinking, where are they going to go with this? Because I know their flag is red, white, and blue, which seems to be very common flag colors. Like, it's the same as France. It's like their flag is just like France's flag, like flipped to the side. But of course, France is very famously Le Blues. So I was like, are they going to be... This is, yeah, they're Le Reds. Are they going to be white? Are they going to be red? Are they going to be blue? But yeah, they are. This is a, just a dominant red with a little highlight of white and, and a big old Russian crest on there. Do we know what this crest is? I do not know what the crest is. The coat of arms of the Russian Federation derives from the earlier coat of arms of the Russian Empire, which was abolished with the Russian Revolution in 1917 and restored in the 1993 after the constitutional crisis. Wow. Looks like a, I don't know if it's two eagles or like a two-headed eagle. Yeah, I can't tell. I mean, it's got to be a two-headed eagle. Mm -hmm. And one of them is holding a scepter and the other one is holding some kind of ball. It would have been cool if they put a soccer ball in its hand <laughs> for the Jersey. Uh, look, you know, I love a good crest, Dan. What can I say? It's a good crest. I mean, the crest is pretty dominant on that Jersey. Now I'm looking at other jerseys like their their uh, hockey Jersey is like, has a big crest on it. Like this crest is, um, it looks like it's got a horse in the middle of there. Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the whole, like, Russian water polo team just had to get big tattoos of the crest. They have it there. I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're not fucking around with the crest. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be an expensive tattoo. (laughs) I like the crest. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I think Russia needs some points here. Let's let's say uh, 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10, Joe. Leaving us one category left. Top player to watch. From super fan. Most... World Cup country been to fan emeritus PhD David, who has a little clarification. He's mad at us. He Uh-oh. says, Stop drinking so much fuzzy cola, or is it still my concussion? You announced you did not want the research on the biggest player of the country, but an upcoming player that could make an impact. I specified this in my email. Well, he's German, so let me. I specified this in my email and also my one, and also announced my one to five scale. <laughs> Oh, it's one to five. Okay. I specified okay. this in my email and also announced my one to five scale. One well, being be one not to five, very be, exciting, five being be, very exciting. What wouldn't be five? It'd be, wait, what's one? Eins, 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 eins zwei, drei, vier, funk. <laughs> eins, two, funk. Funk. Okay. Anyways, for my new scale, I have switched to your beloved one to ten or eins, two, Wait, 
Yeah, Ein I think you Zayn. said Zane more than once. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, I think it's Ein to Zane scale. All right. <laughs> okay. Our Russia, Russian athlete, our Russian player to watch, who's not the biggest player in the country, Joe, I don't know where you got that idea from, is Alexei Miranchuk, who plays for Lokomotiv Moscow, 22 years old. He's an attacking midfielder. He's got four goals and 14 appearances for the national team. Good dribbling, good vision, nice left foot. He was the best U21 player of the Russian League from 2013 to 2014. It's hard to judge these Russian players, poor David, because they didn't play any qualifiers. So, you know, for a player like this, especially a guy who's, you know, come up in the Russian League in 2013, 2014, how many real... I mean, not a lot of cap opportunities. Important games he's really had, but basically they say, or David says, Russia is desperate for a superstar player, a young player to make some splashes. He played great in the international friendlies, and Miranchuk could be their rising star in this World Cup. You know, it's got to be somebody. His favorite player as a kid, Ronaldinho, and in FIFA 18, your beloved FIFA 18, he gets a 77. Score with an 84 potential, which I think isn't isn't bad, especially for That's a Russian solid. player. And his rating on his apparently new one to ten scale, though, with this score, it's hard to tell. Is an eins zwei dry, a dry, dry. Okay, so not great, not great. No, dry um, out of Zane. Dry out of Zane. You know, with this, I like a good lefty. Give him credit for that. I'm, I'm just watching these clips right now. He looked good in the crest too. It's a nice looking crest. It's a nice looking crest. He he sports it well. It's got some nice left footed passes there. Yeah, this guy's all right. I'm gonna go higher than a dry. Let's say uh, four and a half out of ten. <laughs> Fear e. <laughs> I don't know. There's some uh, some Spanish is fitting there. All right, four and a half out of ten. Wow. There's one category left, Joe, <laughs> and I admit. This is this is dire straits for Russia. This is looking as bad as uh, Russia looked right in those uh, months preceding the communist revolution. <laughs> but help him out with that drink, John. Looking at you in the FaceTime video, you've just had the last of your Tolstoy Tang. You've downed the drink. You It seemed like you enjoyed it, Joe. What do you give that drink? Yeah, I did. I mean, Dan, you know... When you sent me the drink instructions, you didn't you didn't send me. I mean, you said on the podcast, which is good for our listeners. You didn't tell me the ratio, so I just was making it up. I um, did. Uh, no, no, that's no. As Vladimir Putin would say, that's fake news. I wait, did. You, you have to do. The, you have to do the accent if you're going to say it. I mean, this, this is, is this is fake news. No, it's, you have to sound less interested. You have to sound more like depressed. Like this is fake news. This is fake news. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. No. no, I sent it to you. It's like I a depressed Austrian. Three pots vodka, one and a half pots lemon juice, splash of simple syrup, shaken over ice, poured into a glass, then you drink. You did not send me that much detail. But it doesn't matter. I made mine a little bit more now, like... Joe, Joe, let's fritter away more of our listeners' time getting <laughs> to the bottom of this. Look. Oh, yeah. You did send me the instructions. Good yeah, for you. Yeah. Okay. You're goddamn right uh, I did. The truth comes out just I like... Mean, you didn't say... I mean, you didn't say over It will come out ice. exonerating Mother Russia in this whole <laughs> election business. 
Uh, yeah. All right. But I made mine more like a vodka martini with some lemon. And I mean, so it was good. I just didn't do enough lemon juice, I don't think. But yeah, it it's a lot good. of lemon juice. Yeah. It was, it was still very refreshing. I did serve it over ice. Very refreshing. Reminded me of like some of the drinks we had last season with that were like, like like the southern drinks that are like made to keep you cool. So I don't know if this was like, you know, I think of Russia as a very cold place, but maybe, I mean, Russia is huge. So there must be parts of it that are very hot. And maybe this was developed there because it was a very like refreshing drink. Yeah. No, I think it works for anything. It reminds me a lot of the gin fizz we had last time. It's a bit of a different gin drink. Fizz, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's of course gin and lime juice and sparkling water. But this was, I mean, it's really just three parts vodka, one and a half part lemon juice. It's yeah. just, but it, it, I, I enjoy it. I mean, I made it properly. I actually didn't even put any sugar in mine. I, I just liked it straight up. I, I enjoyed yeah. it quite no, a it bit. It worked well. It worked well. The vodka was good. Uh, let's say eight out of 10. Eight out of 10. Tying for their highest score in the rate the group. But unfortunately, they clock in with a 49 and a half. The only team lower than them is nobody. <laughs> They're the lowest score. <laughs> Australia came in a little higher than them at 58, and Australia did have an additional category, but on an average basis, they come out lower. So Australia averaged 4.8 per category. Russia's down at 4.5. I mean, it's not even holding a candle to Sweden, Costa Rica, Uruguay, who are all uh, e- either around six or well above six. So this is... um. This is by far the worst team uh, that has, has come through your, your rating system so far, Joe. But let's build the suspense. What are you going to do? I mean, do you think that we're going to get a lot of Russian Twitter bots? Or I guess, like, are there, like, Russian podcast listener bots? I think it'll be very interesting when I post this just to see if, like, our normal episodes get some amount of listeners. And this one will get, like, 100 times as many. And <laughs> I don't know. They'll somehow, they might hack the server and do something. Like, I feel like if the Russian bots are going to come out and listen to our episode, we should move them on. But if not, I think the answer is no. But like, it should be a no, just like Australia was not moved forward with the asterisk of like, if they hire coach bot 9000 as their next coach, I'm all in 100%. Uh, and we'll move them on to the next round and they'll have like a great seating. I think it's the same for Russia. If, if the bots come out, if the bots are, are like in for our podcast, then I will reevaluate. But right now, the answer is no. Joe, I don't want any bot listeners. And look, no offense to the Russians. I think we're better off, Joe, just getting the Russian fans out of our feed for our own protection. It, it's, just, <laughs> it's just a risky area of geopolitical uh, politics. I don't want to get involved All I in. know, I'm changing my password tonight. You said it. You said it on the air. I thought that that at symbol would work. No, to throw people off. No, the Russians How are did hip you know? to it. The Russians are hip to it. <laughs> all right, folks. Wow, I feel like we've learned a lot. We've all risked our lives doing this podcast. I hope if any of us die of some sort of radioactive poisoning, that it, you know who to blame. Basically, anyways. And Dan, we Dan, we made it surgical under six hours. <laughs> Much like the Russian national anthem that instead of being <laughs> one minute is just four minutes of the same garbage, this podcast could have been half half as long, but hopefully everybody's listening at 2x speed, so it all works out. And that's it. That's Russia. For your own protection, please do not send any feedback about Russia, but if you really want to, 
Send it to worldcup at joepickspot.com. And you know what? Look, everybody. If you listen this long, you're a VIP. You're in the secret lounge. Joe, we actually need a new World Cup secret lounge because I like don't want to delete the old one, but I want to like make a new one where I can start posting the scores. So what is that? It's going to be JoePixPod.com slash what? Ooh, what's like a more World Cup? What's like a more like international version of a lounge? Like a know. secret? Um, I mean, inter- in international airports, I think they still call it a lounge. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so it could be the international lounge. <laughs> oh, dopixby.com slash international lounge. I love it. Wow. It's way too long, but that's fine. That's it. That's a new. So by the time this podcast goes up, go to joepixpod.com slash international lounge. You'll see all the information there. I'll post the scores for all the teams we've already done. And Joe, we need a poll question. I actually put up a poll on the old secret lounge. I love the polls to say which people like better, the old intro or the new intro. The results were unanimous. Wow. <laughs> The results were a landslide. Seventy five percent said they like the new intro, which has sapped another hour of my life per podcast to come up with these clever intros. But I honestly feel like we're all learning something, so I'm gonna keep doing them as long as the super fans like it, Joe. What's our poll question for this week? I just recently had the pleasure of re listening to all of our podcasts. Well, I shouldn't say re listening, listening to the first time to all of our podcasts. I'm caught up. It's a lot of work. But we had a debate that I felt like at the time, there's no poll question and I want to be proven right. Because this was one of our biggest arguments. You were drunk, so I don't know if you remember, but the Costa Rican president was listed as a number one shark enemy. And you and I got into a heated argument about the benefits of sharks. So that's what I want to know. It's not a complicated poll. Sharks, question mark, pro or con. (laughs) That's it. <laughs> All right. A stupid poll question befitting no, no. stupid podcast. Wait, wait, it's, what would you vote, Dan? Yeah, you know what I'd vote. Yeah, I, I what don't would know, I vote? I know what my drunk self would vote. I know what anybody would vote. I love sharks. Oh, so you think it's going to be uh, 100% minus me voting for sharks? No, I don't know That's what, what people think. out there. I, I, I don't know. Look, anybody who votes anti-sharks is an idiot. That's all I'll say. Don't, don't, don't. Don't, don't like insult our shark hating fans who probably the majority sharks are fucking scary they have dead eyes they're evil just no. don't go in the water sharks won't get you if you stay out of the it's ocean it's our water too dan <laughs> no it's not they get one place in this earth to live the water you the have- entire water wait the, wait the water is most of the earth yeah well it's not most of the part where we live on joe we Look, live on, shark co- on if, the land if a shark comes on to land i'm not going to bother it it shouldn't bother me in the water. All right. Well, great. What a great poll question. Very well. Look, at least you've avoided something that the Russian bots will love to come in. Like, if I posted a poll about Russia, the results would be like oh my four God. million to like three. Like, who, please, who, Russian bots, who vote did you? Anti-shark. Who did you support in the 2016 election? Like, that's, oh my God, <laughs> that's dangerous. But anyways, JoePickSpot.com/slash International Lounge. All, we'll have all the scores for all the teams. It'll just be like the old secret lounge. You'll see this poll question. You'll see all the information about how to email as a VIP. I want to hear your feedback. And if you don't want to go to the secret lounge because you feel you're still not welcome or you're not good enough, just send your feedback to the old World Cup at JoePixPod.com. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. As hey, they Dan. say in Russia. Das Vidanya. I didn't look up the word for Russian goodbye, but. I think it's Das Vidanya. What is Das Vidanya? That's something, right? As they say in Russia, brush shy.
What happened to Das Vidanya? I just looked it up. Well, I looked up this too. Proshai. Das Vidanya. <laughs> okay.